This episode of the Slash Filmcast is brought to you by Sonos. For the first time ever, Sonos is offering listeners of the Slash Filmcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. Use the promo code FILMCAST10, that's capital F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T-1-0, at Sonos.com to receive this exclusive offer. This episode is also brought to you by HelloFresh. Visit HelloFresh.com and use promo code FILMCAST30 to receive $30 off your first week of deliveries when you subscribe. That's promo code FILMCAST30 for $30 off at HelloFresh.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen and with me are... Adventure Hardware. Jeff Kanata. Joining us today, he's the editor-in-chief of SlashFilm.com. He's also the host of the new podcast at SlashFilm, SlashFilmDaily. Peter Serretta, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm doing well. I, I wish I was doing better in the in the standings here, but we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that. Joining us also, he's the entertainment reporter for io9 and Gizmodo. Jermaine Lucier, welcome back to the session. Guess how are you doing, Jermaine? How's your summer been? Uh, it's been a good summer, but like Peter said, uh, not happy with the wager. Well, happy in certain aspects, not happy in other aspects. Mm. Well, you but guys have you, you guys have alluded to why we're all here today. And it's that the is, reckoning, David. It's correct. The reckoning. <laughs> it's to record part two of the Summer Movie Wager 2017, uh, a consistently requested episode of the podcast. Th- this is actually, guys, this is a record for how quickly we've recorded part two of the Summer Movie Wager. Usually it's months after the Labor Day deadline, but we're actually recording today slightly before the Labor Day deadline. Uh, which is, I think, unprecedented because it's a very bad <laughs> practice. Because uh, yes. all, all the rules what could have, go wrong. All the rules, uh, uh, you know, all the standings are not in yet. But uh, why are we recording? It's because the uh, standings between who's winning uh, in in this group of folks, all the people here on this podcast today, that is unlikely to change. It's it's extremely unlikely to change between now and the end of Labor Day, which is when this contest officially ends. So we feel extremely confident. That what you hear today is going to be the canonical final standings of the summer movie wager for this year. Yeah, uh, we, we we might mention some box office numbers, and those might change slightly. Yes, but yes, the but standings will be the the the, ra- the ranks of uh, of the films uh, will likely not change, and that means that our final scores will likely not change. Um, if there's so, any chance that you're listening to this and you don't know what the summer summer movie wager is, it's where we all tried to rank the movies. The top ten grossing films of the summer in order as correctly as possible. That's right. That's right. And you essentially get points uh, the closer you are uh, to the actual rank of the film. The, the, the rules are arbitrary. 
Oh, they're totally uh, the, the, the only thing that's important here is that you did not win this year. Mm. <laughs> well, let, well, let's uh, let's hey, go, go, wait until we get to the end before we announce the, the final winner here. Uh, but yes, the scores uh, are determined as follows: uh, if you rank number one or number ten dead on, you get thirteen points each. You get ten points for ranking numbers two through nine dead on. Seven points if your pick was only one spot away from where it ended, where it ended up. Five points if it was two spots away. Three points if your pick is anywhere in the top 10 and one point for each dark horse uh you get three dark horses that makes it into the top 10 so those are the rules uh and whoever gets the highest score wins the game as peter already pointed out the rules are completely arbitrary and are not a you know uh, indication of any prognostication skill whatsoever um but you know that's that's the point of games, right, Jeff Kanata? Is, is it choose- is indeed. And, and this particular game is all about showing each of us how little we actually know about what the hell is going to go on during the summer. Because <laughs> totally. we got together. Year. Yeah, we, we get together slightly before Memorial Day every year. And we think we have a, a pretty good idea of what the summer's going to going to look like and what's going to make money and what people are going to be into and what they're not. And then this time of year, every year for the past, what, 11 years now, we eat crow and we realize how dumb we are and how how <laughs> obvious it seems in retrospect. But uh, yeah, this year in particular, I think we we I think overall in general the scores were much lower than last year's scores. Oh, brutal brutal scoreboard this year. But uh, before we get going, want to mention a couple of other things that are relevant to this year's uh, game. One is that we had an awesome listener, Dennis. Uh, who built a summer movie wager scoreboard for us that people could follow along each week. He computed averages. There's a whole bunch of uh, stuff about the history of the summer movie, wa- uh, summer movie wager on there. Just go to thesummermoviewager.com. You'll find the leaderboards. Um, listeners it's, had the chance to play along on the leaderboards. It was awesome. It was awesome. It's truly incredible. Be sure you put the the in there because summermoviewager.com is, is somebody else. Yeah. The Summer Movie Wager, and it is extraordinary this guy went above and beyond there's analytics there's a history you can step back through every single year that the summer movie wager was was uh competed in with relive all of jeff Kanata's terrible choices over the years hey, it's amazing i've won i've won uh more times than anybody except you <laughs> uh, and so. it's really great it's also really great because it makes you feel really good until about august and then you go from first place to last place. Like you just, it's really good to really puff you up all summer. Mm, and then yeah. you just know the inevitability is coming. It's, yeah, the, an, ex- the, it's an extraordinary website. The, the website's so amazing. There's like almost 3,000 listeners that played along with us. And to just give you an idea of how bad we did, uh, <laughs> I think the number one person, which I'm not going to reveal, was 207 out of all the global players. Yes. So, yes. yes. Yeah, uh, no, no, uh, yeah. Our number one player in of of us, you mean, is yes. is, is yeah. ranked two hundred and seven against yeah. our listeners. Oh, <laughs> I, know, I, I should say seven points. I was like, what? No, <laughs> I should no. say our our worst is one thousand seven hundred and sixty eight. I won't reveal <laughs> the name. Yeah. I would say I would say so. Two hundred and six listeners did better than any of us, yes. which is amazing. That's right, and. Uh, that also means if, if over 2,000 people uh, played, that means, uh, you know, more than 200 did worse than any of us. So I think that's pretty okay. Y- you know, we're 200 yeah. on, e- on either side. I think that's all right. I guess that's one way of looking at it, Jeff. 
Um, anyway, I also want to mention, yeah, if you want to hear the first half of uh, this episode, you just go to uh, the Slash Filmcast archives at SlashFilmcast.com, and you can find the first half of Summer Movie Wager uh, and hear how laughably wrong all of our predictions were before you listen to this episode. Uh, so I think that's basically all I wanted to mention before we get going today. Uh, and, and before we start actually counting down the top 10 movies of the summer by domestic box office, I thought we might just take a few minutes to talk about trends that we've seen this summer, like trends that maybe we couldn't have predicted, uh, things that you know we, we just didn't see coming, uh, any, anything that you feel like is important to mention. And I'll, I'll start I, us off with a couple of things. Well, actually, Peter, you have something to say? I was going to say, I, I, the number one thing, I think, is Wonder Woman. Yes. That was yeah. not, I mean, that was number one on the of the box office domestically, and it was on our list, or some of our, no, I guess all of our lists. All, okay. yeah. all except, yeah. for, like, like, ex- except for yeah. one person's list, yes, it was on, it was on <laughs> everyone's like, list. It was a dark horse, it was a dark, dark. horse. <laughs> and that might be the first time, I mean, I might be, I don't know, we'd have to ask Dennis to go through the stats, but I think this might be the first time in history that a dark horse was number one at the box office. <laughs> mm, mm. Uh, I, you know, I'm not I, sure. Not to take anything away from, from Wonder Woman, uh, more than I already have with my stupid comments in the first episode of, of this. Um, but I, I think even more than that is the, the, the shocking thing for me is how low all of the actual numbers are across the board. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. amount of money that the movies in the top 10 made this year is lower than any of the previous years that we've been doing this. It, 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 it was an absolute bloodbath. At the box office this year. Uh, I mean, uh, actually, this uh, this past uh, s- Sunday, they released numbers. Uh, Gitesh Pandya, the box office uh, analyst, tweeted the following. Uh, Spending on the top 10 films this weekend tumbled down to a pathetic $45 million. That's the top 10 movies of the box office combined this past weekend. Worst weekend box office in 16 years. Uh, and 16 years was the period right after 9-11. So... It, it is a bad time uh, to be in the movie business right now. And yeah, I'm looking. If you look at the list, I mean, it's funny. Of of the ten movies that we'll dis- be discussing, um, you could argue four of them, I, I, at least four, maybe five, weren't hits. Like they were all hits. But like, if you in like popular culture conversation, Transformers Five wasn't a hit. You know, Cars Three wasn't a hit. The, these movies, but they're on the top ten. It's just you only feel like if you said like, what were the big hits of the summer? You probably come up with four titles. Yeah. The two at the top of the list and then two near the bottom of the list that way overperformed in in great way because they were really good and original. Yeah. Think- usually usually in past years of this competition, you needed 130, sometimes 160 million dollars to get number 10. Yeah. on the list. And this year it was 108. Yeah, so far, I mean, that might change this weekend. It might be a little bit higher than that, but yeah, it's it's yeah. significantly lower than previous years. I think uh so Wonder Woman uh, was a box office juggernaut. I mean, if you look back at Wonder Woman, guys, it did not open that big, but the legs on that movie kept uh, that movie propelled throughout the entire summer. Like, the drops were insane. You had, you know, 30, 40, 50% drops over the weekends, and that's just unheard of for a superhero film. Like, typically, I think Spider-Man dropped, like, 60% uh, between weekend one and two. You know, like, standard drops uh, is, is, like, 50%, 60%. Wonder Woman is dropping so little, and that's what took it from $100 million opening weekend to $406 million as of this recording. It's, it's incredible how well it performed. And I, it's a lot awesome. of the, 
it was, and I mean, we'll talk about it more, but it's, it's, it's because of what we said on the first podcast. We were all really hoping it was going to be great. And I'm sure that held a lot of people back the first weekend. Then the reviews came out and their friends started seeing it and they started talking about it. And then that, that momentum, that wave just kept going. Uh, I, I would and, say, so, in, yeah. yeah, informally, it's also like anecdotally, it's also the movie that I feel like was talked about the most. You know, like in when I was at work or when I was talking with people who like to talk about movies, uh, everyone was talking about Wonder Woman. Have you seen Wonder Woman? Like, no one was asking me, have you seen Despicable Me 3? You know, uh, yeah. even though I would have liked <laughs> for that to have happened. But, um, <laughs> But so it's an amazing I, thing, and it's it's awesome. I love that that movie with its feel good message and positivity. I love that it did well. I love what it means for the industry with a female director and a female star and a female superhero. All of that stuff is so great. I'm just so struck by how depressed the box office is overall. Yep. I mean, if you look at just two years ago, 2015, Wonder Woman's take would have put it at number three. Right. right. It, it is uh, Jurassic World made six hundred forty four million dollars at number one over the summer, Man. just in the summer. And th- I mean, you're looking at number one this year. Wonder Woman made four hundred six million. That is a huge delta, a yeah. huge delta. Yeah, it, it is has been a very rough summer uh, for the movie industry as a whole. Uh, a lot of franchise films did not perform. Uh, as people thought they would perform. And uh, that certainly messed with many of our lists. Uh, So I also want to mention this is the year that Malcolm D. Lee proved that uh, proved again, I should say, that he is a box office force to be reckoned with. Girls Trip at over $100 million. That's his best performing film. And uh, this guy has been churning out these small-scale hits for quite some time. Uh, and like that's not it's not a movie that uh, we have. I don't think any any of us have seen it. Jermaine, have you seen Girl Strip? I have seen it. Oh, it wh- is unfathomably good. All it right, all right. Yeah, so, so funny. We missed the boat on Girl Strip on Slash Filmcast, but uh, we will be talking not, about the not movie. Not one single one of us Correct. had Girl Strip. Not even would, as a would, dark horse. Nothing. Nope. We are we are all idiots, and this is you know a, a blind spot that we always have every year. These sort of female uh, marketed movies. And we always mention it. We always talk about it when we're making our list. Like, one of these movies is going to be in here. Yes. And we're, st- we're all too stupid to even uh, uh, you know recognize that at the time and put it on our list. But uh, it always seems to happen. And, and I'm glad it does. I'm glad it shows that, that the audience is more diverse and it doesn't always have to be sequels and genre films. Um, but, you know, and that's, and that's, I think that's a positive thing. Yeah. Um, so we on the Slash Filmcast missed the boat on Girls Trip, and that's uh, that's on us. That's that's our bad. But uh, we will be talking about it once the uh, Blu-ray and video on demand is out. Um, so looking forward to to talking about that movie at that time. But uh, have heard great things about Girls Trip, and looking forward to giving that movie its due. Uh, so yeah, Wonder Woman, Girls Trip, movies that we didn't think would uh, perform as well as they did, and of course performed insanely well. Uh, Can I ask you guys a question? Yes, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, um, I know this is all focused on money. This is a, a, a competition about what makes money. But what do you guys think about quality level for this summer? Because Ex- I, overall, excellent. I thought it was like yeah. a great summer that delivered on a lot of what we were looking for. Yeah, which is yeah, I think it's probably it's- a bad thing, right? Because people, I don't know. I feel like the prognosticators are always say that quality doesn't really lead to box office, and yeah, probably not the best trend. 
Uh, the, the best trend, you mean that the, the movies were pretty great and the overall box office was, was yes. way down? Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Peter, what were you going to say? I was going to say on the other side of the coin, uh, you know, studios, this is the first year that they've really taken on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, when a film has not gotten good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and I know Jeff hates Rotten Tomatoes, um, you know, and that has, <laughs> the box office has been reflective of that. Uh, studios are starting to see a correlation there which is, uh, I think, misguided, but interesting. Well, I, I just find it fascinating that studios say, oh, well, the Rotten Tomatoes score is what sunk this movie. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes score generally has a pretty good correlation with how good the movie is, you know? Yeah. So uh, maybe be a little bit more self-reflective and self-aware of the fact that the movies aren't good, <laughs> and maybe that's why they're not doing super well. Uh, I don't know. Just a suggestion. It also, has to do, it also has to do with the fact that Rotten Tomatoes now is integrated into a lot of the places where people buy their tickets, like Fandango. So I'm not going to buy a ticket to, you know, uh, you know, Transformers Five if I see a big splat there with a twenty next to it. Although that's been there forever for a couple <laughs> yeah. years for Transformers yeah. movies in general. Yes. Well, yeah, but also seeing the uh, the tomato score right inside. Of Fandango. I think it's less. Right. About, I, know it's, uh, I, I know it wasn't this year, but yeah, just like I think this yeah. year there's a lot more green on there than uh, than red. Probably, mm-hmm. I, I think I, that I, might discourage people. I would say it's a lot less about Rotten Tomatoes than it is about uh, how important word of mouth in general is and how uh, how much people have the ability to share on Twitter and Facebook and wherever and Snapchat like with their opinions about movies uh, and and that that word just gets out a lot more now you know before you had to read a newspaper or something now you can just turn on your Facebook and you can read what your friend thought of you know how bad uh, uh, Transformers Five was. I was looking for like a bad movie off the top ten. There's there's actually not that many bad movies on there. That's so, I think yeah. the biggest point is that I mean just a year ago uh, in 2016, looking at the top ten movies of the summer, I would say there's two excellent ones, and maybe two more that I you know the two more that I liked Star Trek Beyond, Ghostbusters. I liked both both of those. Finding Dory and Captain America three were excellent. Everything else is really pretty bad mm. on that top 10. And 2017 is almost the exact inverse, where yeah, there's really yeah. mm-hmm. only a couple of movies that are that are downright bad. Transformers 5. I even had kind of fun with Pirates of the Caribbean 5, even though it's not good. Did anybody um, see I, – I don't listen to podcasts regularly. Did you guys do Despicable Me 3? No. Uh, we did not review have it. You, have you guys seen it? Who, who saw it? I did not see it. Either. None of us saw it. It, no it was Dave's number one. And he yeah. didn't, he didn't see, it. see it. <laughs> yep. that's, that's what I was trying. That's what I was hoping. That was my best case scenario with that question. And it worked out perfectly. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, the most depressing thing about this every year is that we make fun of these studio executives and, uh, are so, you know, the, in doing this list, we all become them. We become yeah. cynical and Dave's putting Despicable Mean uh, 3 on the top of the list <laughs> because and he, he has no intention of seeing it. He doesn't care about it, but he thinks, well, you know, the it, game. It, the game isn't like what movie you want to see most, though. We could we could add that in, you know, no, but, but, like, yeah. but I think it, that's it partially why we're for the studio system, I think. Yeah. Well, well, right. P- yeah. Peter, I'm really glad Your you capitals. brought I'm really glad you brought this up because uh, here you know, we're talking about the biggest stories this summer. Here's a couple other big stories. Let me throw these this at your way, guys. Okay. Uh, here's another story. How freaking successful Despicable Me 3 is overseas. Okay. Uh, $718 million internationally, $254 domestically. That's a total of almost a billion dollars. Uh, so we see more of that money moving overseas these days. And uh, had I calculated exactly how much moved overseas, I might be in a better place today. Uh, <laughs> but also, 
here's a story that I think we're going to... I, 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 feel... I, I have a question for you, Dave. Yep. So, some people on Twitter responding to the Summer Movie Wager have asked us to next year do Worldwide. Is that something we're interested in? Is that... I think, uh, I think, I think that will even even betray our our ignorance even more. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, we. I mean, I have. I obviously can't even gauge my countrymen's desire for movies, let alone <laughs> also, an entire I, series of cultures that I don't have any access to. Also, I it think it's, it's, yeah, it's a little complicated because um, the movies like are released at different times worldwide. So I, I don't. I think it would mess with the, the very simple rules we have. Yeah, uh, it right. might be fun. It might be fun as like you know we have dark horses. It might be fun as like a bonus or something. Is it? I mean, that goes away from the original rules, but. You know, and it would also be very complicated to keep track of. I'm sure Dennis could take care of it. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just it is it is just it give is Dennis more work. Yeah, no, but I, I, it is an interesting thing that uh, to track because, like you said, Dave, like the disparity between the U.S. and this is crazy. Like Mummy made what like 80 million dollars in the U.S. considered a massive bomb, but has made well over 300 million other over the world and is now considered a hit. We are probably now the dark universe is. Good to go because of international box office, and that's uh, it's Good, crazy. The dark universe is about to be set in China. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very, very likely. Well, speaking you know, of China, guys, I I think that this year is actually going to mark a turning point because of three words: Wolf Warrior Two, the biggest oh, yeah. box office story of the summer that no one knows about. Uh, which is this movie that came out in China, uh, Wolf Warrior 2, uh, and it, it earned uh, less than $3 million in the United States. It earned over $800 million in China. Uh, and it is, I think, the second film in history to earn over $800 million in a single territory. Guess what, guys? The Chinese people, uh, and I'm the only person on this podcast that can say it like that, have realized that they can make entertainment too. They don't need to rely on the United States. And uh, the, the, the relationship between China and U.S. box office has never been a smooth one. It's not like China like, loves welcoming in uh, U.S. films. They, uh, they exclude certain films because of content. They have a limit on how many films can come in from the U.S. It's never been a great relationship. It's never been a super smooth relationship. And I have a feeling it's going to get even worse. All those Chinese dollars that uh, people are depending on to earn, uh, you know, money internationally, uh, I have a feeling it's not like it's not on the upward trajectory. I, I think like this year is going to be the year that it all changed for the worse. But that's just me looking forward to the future. Jeff, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? No, I, I just want to kind of go back to Peter's point about us standing in at, as uh, executives for uh, you know this little fantasy experiment every year. And I think that what, what he's getting at, and you can correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, Peter, but I think what you're getting at is that this is sort of inherently a cynical endeavor that we are, you know, you kind of pointed out that uh, David would put Despicable Me number one and then wouldn't deign to see it himself. It's like the the the, the all of the the big general audiences will love this movie, but I don't I don't care about it. And I will say from my own perspective, my list this year was particularly cynical. I think I was in a pretty cynical place about what I thought would would do well. And I am so pleased to have been wrong. I know that sounds like, uh, you know, uh, it sounds like revisionist history, but I really am glad and I'm going to take this forward into next year. I really am glad that looking at this list, the top three movies are all excellent, like not just good, excellent 
They are they are deserving of being in the top three. And if you look back through time, which you can do on the summermoviewager.com, that has not always been the case. In fact, it was rarely the case beforehand. And I kind of had that baggage of feeling like, you know, oh yeah, all this you know, the, the cynicism of seeing these terrible movies make tons of dollars. I kind of crafted my my uh, list in, in that from that headspace. And I'm so glad that things are kind of changing, or at least this year they did. And I hope that's a trend that continues. Well, it, wait, wait. it's a thing. It, it's we're basing our uh, our lists off past history. So, like you know, you're coming off a uh, Ghostbusters not doing well, and I under right. I perfectly understand why you don't put Wonder Woman uh, up higher. Um, and that's the same way that the studio executives. And you're right; it's all cynical. It, it's the same way that they're looking at it, and it's a uh, it's uh, almost every year I have not won this, pot, uh, this thing, and I feel like I do hours of research <laughs> way, way more than everybody else. And I, I think that goes to show you how little that matters. Yeah, but, I, 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 I would argue the person that did the least research this year won the game. But yeah. uh, we'll find out if that's actually true. No, And I was going to say, too, like trends like that take a while to sort of set in. Even, Dave, your point with the international box office, I mean, if this is the beginning of it, it's not going to, it's going to take a couple of years. I mean, I'm right now looking at the release schedule for next summer, you know, like that's pretty much set. And by the way, it is going to be not easy. We're definitely going to make mistakes next summer, but you can, you can pick the top five pretty easily because they're all massive movies and we're not going to have, I'll tell you right now, a hundred million dollar movie at the bottom next year, just because at least it looks, it looks too big. It looks too big. Um, so I think the, these trends might, might change, but it's going to take a while uh, before we get away, away from this. Avengers, Star Wars, Jurassic World, uh, world. Uh, so, some people in the chat room are pointing out uh, like they're they're violently disagreeing with my assessment of Wolf Warriors two, uh, and saying that the reason that Wolf Warriors two did super well is because uh, China did a, a blackout uh, ban on uh, many U.S. films uh, to to manufacture Wolf Warriors two success. Uh, and my point is, yeah, it, like. They can do that, and who know, who's to say they won't continue doing that kind of stuff? They still had to. People still had to pay to go see it. It's not like they forced them into the theater. You know, he, yeah, exactly. He's saying he's saying uh, bring it in, bring it at home. Says uh, uh, it doesn't necessarily reflect a sustainable model or what the people of China want to consume. I, I I don't agree with that. I mean, if China wants to keep banning U.S. films, that is a totally sustainable model. Uh, any, anyway. All right, we don't need to argue about it now. <laughs> Dave, but, is there any plans to review that film on the podcast? I feel like. I will, I will try to check it out. Uh, it's actually playing locally in, in Seattle. So the, we, we actually have a great uh, track record in Seattle of a lot of uh, indie foreign films, uh, or, or I should say indie films and foreign films. Uh, and Wolf Warriors 2, I think, was playing here rather recently. So well, um, <laughs> really terrible. If you haven't, if you haven't seen Wolf there. Warriors 1... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently, it's not great. Apparently, it's like, like a very jingoistic movie. Also, I love yeah. Ian Monroe's comment in the chat. He says, don't know, man. China knows how to run an economy, LOL, which uh, I think I agree with. Anyway, <laughs> um, so those are kind of overall thoughts on the trends uh, this summer. wanted to just get those out of the way before we start counting down the top ten of the summer. And hey, Dave, <laughs> you yes. know. Yes, what's up, uh, One of the trends – the fewer people are going to the movies, but they're not watching fewer movies. You know where they're watching movies, Dave? Where are they watching them, Jeff? They're watching them at home. And you know, when you're watching movies at home, one of the things we talk about all the time on the Slash Filmcast, Devendra is always talking about this, 
you got to have not only that great display. You got to have that nice TV with the with the high resolution image. You have to have Jeff's perfectly. eighty inch television screen that <laughs> you cannot lift by himself. Yep, that's true. But too many people ignore sound. Sound. Sound is a huge part of the movie watching experience. And if you're not going to go to the movies, if you're going to be watching at home, you darn well better have good sound. You know who has the best sound, Dave? Who? Sonos. Sonos has the best sound. In fact, I have been on the Sonos bandwagon for uh, months now. I bought my Playbase back in April. I think I talked to you guys about it when I bought it uh, back then on the on the show and how much I was loving it. Uh, and, and I'll just it, say I'll just cop to the fact that I was not a believer in Sonos at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and guess what? Like I have recently tried the Playbase. I've set it up in my home theater, and I, I'm I'm like, it's completely changed my opinion on what my minimum level of sound quality needs to be <laughs> in order to watch movies at home. It's uh, extraordinary. And I recently added two Play Ones as rear surround speakers and that was another level of extraordinary the the range of of audio and then you can also add the what is it this the, the, the subwoofer sub yep what's it called it has a Just name sub. yeah sub yeah uh to add that low that low rumble which um is it's so powerful i i almost never am able to turn it on because i have a tiny baby <laughs> <laughs> that's how much it rocks my world um but i i'm it, it is Room-filling, gorgeous, subtle sound that you can crank up and listen to rock music. And Sonos is is the great best solution because it's all modular. It's all adaptive to what you want. I use my surround sound system to play podcasts. You can listen to the Slash Filmcast over your Sonos. Anything you have downloaded onto your phone or tablet, you can play through your awesome surround sound system. And you can set up different rooms in your house based on the different speakers. And let's say you buy the Playbase now and you buy uh, you know, a Play 1 or Play 3 or Play 5 later. You can always modularly alter your, your house so that you put a Play 1 in your bedroom or you put a, a Play 3 out back in your backyard. Or, or if you got your, an apartment and you, you, know, you want to put one in your bathroom so when you're taking a shower you can listen to stuff. All of those can be set up as separate rooms it's all programmable on the app that's so easy to use. It's awesome. I am so in love with Sonos. I've been such a happy customer of Sonos since April. You guys, uh, Devinder, you got you got a play base as well, right? Yeah, I, I kind of got the whole system to test out. And what I really love is that you can have a full home theater setup without uh, stringing wires everywhere. Yeah, it's I, a, the wireless I, is really compelling. I mean, you have to plug in the that's speakers. The thing. You, yeah, you, you need yeah. to plug in the speakers, but other than that, it, it connects via outlet. your, your yeah. uh, Wi-Fi. Uh, Since I've had an apartment, I've had a surround sound set up in some form, and it usually involves a ton of wires everywhere. It's not something everybody can live with. And the Sonos thing, you know, that's a good solution if you have kids, if you just don't want the ugliness of wires everywhere. Uh, yeah, and it does sound amazing. I'm surprised, honestly. Yeah. And, and that, because there's no wires, it's so easy to set up. You, the, the app guides you through. All you got to do is plug it into an outlet. It sets it all up. It even has this true sound thing where you, it, it calibrates it to the room you're in perfectly. Man, Sonos is really the top of the line. It's amazing. And the cool thing is... We're going to give you 
a special promo code. All you got to do is go to uh, Sonos.com, S-O-N-O-S.com. Use the promo code FILMCAST10. That's capital F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T and then one zero at Sonos.com. And you will save 10% off your order. You can buy up to $2,500 of stuff or, you know, as whatever little below that you want to spend. And you'll get 10% off. That's pretty huge. You can set yourself up with room filling, gorgeous sound, surround sound for your movie watching, for listening to podcasts, for listening to music. All of the music apps are supported through Sonos. It's fantastic. So go to Sonos.com and use the promo code FILMCAST10 and get yourself 10% off. Uh, and we'll have much more to say about Sonos in the weeks to come. Looking forward to talking with you guys about like tips and tricks and that kind of thing uh, as we uh, talk about how to get the most out of your home theater system. But let's move on to the rest of the Summer Movie Wager and count down the top 10 movies of the summer. So we've already spent a lot of time talking about Wonder Woman. Wait, um, wait Dave. Yep, go ahead, Jeff. Be- before oh, you get to the top 10, I just wanted to mention one last thing. Yep. Baby Driver. That's the number 11 film, at least at this moment in time, with 103.5 million. And it could, at this point, take over the number 10. So I think it's just worth talking about because all of us, you know, uh, I think none of us had it on our list. Yeah, I, I actually um, remember distinctly saying during uh, the part, part one of the Summer Movie Wager that. Uh, I, I thought Baby Driver was going to make like $85 million. Everyone's going to be super happy with it. It's going to be Edgar Wright's best performing movie ever, uh, but that it's not going to make the top 10. Well, two things happened. Number one, it made significantly more than $85 million. And number two, uh, the entire box office as a whole completely cratered, uh, bringing like uh, over $100 million to being like really within striking distance of top 10. Um, but it is Edgar Wright's best performing movie uh, thus far. It's one of the only original movies that came out this summer period and it's an original movie that came out this summer that did really well so yeah, and it should be noted that his biggest film before this was 26 million dollars yeah. yeah this gross this gross more than all his other films combined yeah yeah uh, and, and yeah and well deserved like uh, yeah I, I, we said the same thing we said it was going to be uh, we said this and valerian valerian didn't pan out the same but there were going to be movies that we loved but didn't make enough money just because of edgar's track record of making these great movies that audiences turn turn out for but because the rest of the summer was so disappointing um, for the franchises, people heard about a great movie and turned out for it. And uh, I'm really happy. You know, Baby Driver was great. You know what? It didn't make more money then. What, Jeff? Ant Ant Man. Mm. <laughs> that, that is a bummer. You had to bring it up. You yeah, had to say yeah, that. Jeff. That's kind of cold. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think also Baby Driver had a lot of crossover appeal from my observation. Um, mm-hmm. Like a lot of uh, music lovers could see that movie and enjoy. Like people who love music but don't necessarily see movies a lot, uh, they had a lot to, to get out of that. With its, it's, it's one of the kind of iconic soundtracks in my opinion you know um we we talk about quentin tarantino quentin tarantino's music supervision is so good that uh he like the the music that he chooses for his movies become forever associated with those movies right Mm -hmm. battle without honor and humanity you know is kill bill like uh miser lou is is pulp fiction you know uh, I, I am confident that the songs that Edgar Wright chose for Baby Driver will become associated with Baby Driver, you know, for decades to come, and that is the mark of a great soundtrack. So it also there, there's some deep cuts in there. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. and also I expected uh, to really enjoy the Guardians two soundtrack this summer, and honestly, it's the Baby Driver one I keep going back to. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Jeff, can I know what you're saying? It's uh, it's also an example of a movie in the summer that 
it was marketed differently than than all the other ones. You know, it it really felt like the movie with with buzz and sort of grassroots uh, momentum more than more than a top down approach of just blitzkrieg uh, on everything. And it felt like it was getting it had a lot of early screenings. It was getting really positive buzz. They were bringing it place. They brought it to Comic Con, right, and all this all well, this stuff. In, I, in a show of strength, Sony also moved it from early August release to late June, putting out up right? against uh, movies like Transformers. Bold move. I think it really paid off for them. So great original uh, poster art that was actually illustrated, unlike most crappy photoshops today. Yeah, there was just a lot of of goodness uh, around the release, uh, the, the the creation and release of that movie, and so I'm really glad it did so well. And I think Edgar Wright is going to be able to write his own ticket even more than he was already able to prior to this. So it, well, I think awesome. Baby Driver was his own ticket. I think it that's, was. That's true. <laughs> Fair enough, but, it, it, uh, but the budget but was funny. like what, like forty million for that movie? Like it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like a hundred million dollar movie. And I suspect that if he wants to, he could make a hundred million dollar movie next. So yeah, but it's yeah. funny. This a movie like this does well, and it's an original movie, and people like you know came out to it because of that. And now they're talking Baby Driver too. Right. It's right. like they, what did Hollywood learn from this? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Indeed. Isn't that a great? There's. I hope there's no Baby Driver too. Well, I don't know. I'd be up for it if it was uh, more Toddler ambitious. Toddler driver. Yeah. If it, yeah. <laughs> Toddler driver. I like nice. it. All right. Let's move Baby on. Baby driver two, the terrible twos. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. Wonder Woman. Uh, we've already talked about what a box office juggernaut this movie was. Anything else we have to say about it? Well, uh, I mean, I, I have to say it's only slightly beating out Guardians 2. And we all put Guardians 2 at number one. So, you know, guys, we were close. So uh, close. All so, of us yeah. except for one of us. Yes. So I, I put Despicable Me 3 as <laughs> the number one movie of the, at the box office. And I, I will say that uh, you know, for a long time, it looked like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was going to be number one. And you guys all put Guardians at number one, and I put Guardians at number two. And so the fact that uh, Guardians was number one uh, was really hurting me. But Wonder Woman came into the list as this agent of chaos and dethroned Guardians at number one. And it basically knocked all of your scores down um, because uh, none of you you guys had Wonder Woman at number one. So yeah, the, 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 wor- the worst part of it is you having it in, uh, Guardians at number two. Yeah, and that gave me a bonus off. too, right? So like it really yeah. helped me that Wonder Woman made number one. Uh, but yeah, crazy uh, sequence of events that, that led Wonder Woman to number one. Um, so all of us got three points off of it, except for Jeff Kanata, who got one point off it for putting it as a dark horse. Dark um, horse? But I would like to say, guys, I'm the only one that had a dark horse that made the list. <laughs> Congratulations, Jeff. You, it will go yeah, down right. in the record books. Congratulations. Yes, baby. All right. Yes. Uh, so let's move on. Number two, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, this is one that I dead hit, uh, get, giving me 10 points, and everyone else uh, had was one away from this. So everyone else got seven points off of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, but uh, what did we think of this movie? I, I think we all liked it, but... I don't know that any of us thought it was better than Guardians One, right? Did anyone yeah, think it was? It's not as memorable. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's it's like a movie that we liked it, but it wasn't you know incredible like blow you away, amazing, right? It, yeah. it it's felt, a movie that like I want to yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I want to rewatch it like once every six months maybe if it was on, but like Guardians One, if it's on like every week, I'll watch it for twenty minutes. You know, like I think it's it's got some really good stuff in it, and I think it's a movie. That's gonna grow uh, on us a little bit as we look back, you know, at the MCU just of uh, 
as a weird piece of storytelling. But yeah, I, I mean, I tend to agree that it was, uh, and I think that sort of is why it didn't do the potential box office we all think it did. I mean, three hundred ninety million or almost is quite phenomenal. But if it had been just a, as big of a crowd pleaser as the first one, I think I don't think there would have been a contest. But that was only two eighty four too, so it was still like a big leap. It wasn't like a disappointment compared to the first one, I think. Um, no, no, def- no, definitely not. No, it, 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 I mean, no, the first one did, did three thirty. So I mean, okay. it, it, out, it outgrossed yeah. it. But well, well, the first one I think came out in August or something like that. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the total domestic was three hundred thirty three point uh, two on Guardians One. So gotcha. this this beat it by like fifty five million dollars, which is a lot of money. Spider Man Homecoming coming in at number three. With three hundred nineteen million dollars, um, am I the only one? I mean, you guys dead hit this, um, which which really helped. But I I can't believe it made that much money. Like I, I really liked the movie a lot, and I know it had a big opening weekend. But I was stunned to hear in the last couple of weeks that it crossed three hundred million. It was so quiet, right? Like it it quietly hit these numbers. I felt. Yeah, I I think that uh, it 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 actually also had pretty good legs over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it kept going on even it eight of them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I mean, and to compare, <laughs> to compare, it did significantly better than uh, Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man Two, the last two Spider-Man movies. Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. One made two sixty-two. Amazing Spider-Man Two made two hundred. So yeah. making, which, oh, yeah, go ahead. You go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, so making over three hundred, which is what uh, a Spider-Man: Homecoming did, uh, is pretty solid. Yeah. yeah, and I think if you go back and you listen to the original episode, yeah, maybe I over overshot it by putting it as my number one. But you, you, I don't think I don't think there's a maybe about it, Jeff. But continue. And you, <laughs> you said you mocked me, Dave, and you said that it would uh, it would continue the downward trend of Spider-Man sequels, and that there's no way that it was going to outgross the Amazing Spider-Man. I don't so know, I did feel. We say that? Dave uh, said I, that. I might have. I might have uh, said that. Dave was even on Twitter like a month ago, like <laughs> bragging about how uh, how much it was going down week after week. Uh, you know, what, guys. You like know what's say, weird? It's hey, a small victory. Small victory. Do you, do you know what's a slightly larger victory than that? Is the fact that I dead hit it and got ten points, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a slightly larger victory than your victory. A... But, yeah. uh, but if we're ranking victories, <laughs> I'm just saying I have. If one. we're counting points, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what part of this is about counting points, Dave? This yes. is about uh, number of victories, and I have <laughs> as many victories right now as as you. But I think just like Wonder Woman, uh, Spider-Man felt refreshing in a way, too, and it was a great family film. And honestly, if I had kids, I'm sure they would have dragged me to the theater like multiple times. Honestly, I saw Spider-Man uh, like three times on my oh, own. Wow. So if nice. I had kids, it would have been even more than that. So probably a big reason. I, so, I just think the buzz, like it was just... A good movie and it had that kind of twist to it uh which we won't get into and i think you know it, it brought people to the theater yeah people um, want to love spider-man and and they've been they've been forced not to for too long indeed <laughs> indeed uh so don't, don't underestimate the mcu as well I mean, right. that, we talked about that in the first uh, podcast mm-hmm. but that obviously helped a big time there's that and also come on guys keaton you know keaton. i wonder, I wonder how much keaton brought we're in a we're in a we're keaton keaton Renaissance. Keaton exactly. Assange, jinxed, Jeff. Um, <laughs> so uh, Devendra, myself, and Peter dead hit Spider-Man Homecoming with 10 points. Jeff and Jermaine got five points uh, each from it uh, because they placed it two slots away from its actual ranking. Uh, moving on to number four, Despicable Me 3. 
this one came in number four with $254 million. Huge disappointment to me, David Chen. Um, hey, because... look, Dave. It's almost <laughs> like I did hit this one that you put at number one. So it looks like the number of large victories that we each can claim now is the same. Uh, good point, Jeff. Good point. So, yeah, Despicable Me 3, you know, Peter uh, called it. Uh, he said, like, I-, I think Minions made less than Despicable Me 2, right? Yes. Um, and you, you said, yeah, it made significantly less than Despicable Me too. Uh, I should have seen, I should have read those tea leaves. You know, I should have realized that. Yet, it despite would not seeing do- that, I, I thought it was a lock in number two. Even yeah. even though it, it, Minions made less, I thought it was a lock. But yeah, it made yeah. basically made the same amount as the first movie, and you assume that they're going to at least go up from that. You know, when it comes to sequels, and uh, and, and I guess the reviews were were pretty bad. But like reviews on a movie like this generally don't matter because the family just wants their kids to see it. Um, I, I, none of us saw it, so we really can't speak too much about it. But like, I think I heard that it was really just too much on the on Gru on the human characters where. People don't really like to speak with me too uh, for the human characters anymore. So, well, well, I thought it was weird that the marketing was all around the human characters, like the Trey Parker character, Drew's right. new ride. Like people love the minions. Well, uh, you know. Uh, one thing I, I want to point out again is that Despicable Me three uh, did incredibly well worldwide. I think it's the best performing Despicable Me film worldwide, uh, with over nine hundred seventy million dollars. So you know, my my gut wasn't wrong about how well that movie would do. It just was wrong about how well it <laughs> yeah, would do in well, the U.S. Your, your gut is wrong. okay. International man. You know, of who's, you yeah. know whose gut was right? The guy who dead hit this one at number four, the old <laughs> Jeff Meister. <laughs> Really? Is Jeff what? Meister, big, big Wonder Woman fan, the Jeff Meister. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think ahead, there's no there's no doubt that there will be a Despicable Me four. This to me is 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 Shrek all over again. They're gonna keep making these movies until somebody says, "God, I can't do this anymore." Well, I think they're already making Minions two, which is kind know. of basically uh, the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jeff, you know what Minions are really useful for. Uh, doing things like cooking for you. Well, if you had a minion to cook for you, but you know what? I prefer to cook for myself, Dave. Mm. It's a it's a life skill that I appreciate having. Yeah. But you know what I don't like, Dave? You know what, what I you, wish what, I did what do you have not minions like? for? What do you not like? I don't like shopping. I don't like going to the grocery store. I don't like picking out what I'm going to make. I don't like selecting my meal. But that's why I use HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you don't even want to use your minions to cook. And they focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. You're going to eat more healthy because they are farm to box. Everything is uh, fresher. They only use the freshest ingredients. And the meals are great. They call themselves farm to box couch to kitchen and fork to feel good couch to kitchen means if you don't think you can cook you can i can tell you from experience i'm one of those people that didn't think i could cook jeff is one of the most incompetent people i know and I am, he was i i most likely would stab myself in the face and eye if <laughs> if i was asked to now i got mad skills i'm chippity chopping i'm Dyson, I'm pureeing, whatever I need to do, I can do because HelloFresh has really clear, easy-to-follow instructions. You get a little teeny box with all the fresh ingredients already partitioned, and it's 
delicious. In fact, they have two, not one, but two full-time registered dietitians on staff who review every recipe that goes into the HelloFresh boxes to ensure that it is nutritionally balanced. That means you are going to eat better. You're going to feel better. You're going to have a healthier lifestyle. And you know what's going in your food because you watch it happen. You see these fresh ingredients. Everything they deliver to your to your doorstep is recyclable. It's insulated and it's free delivery. It makes it so easy. They've got all kinds of delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions. I find uh, it so easy to follow these instructions. I'm, I'm, we've established I'm a moron wrapped in an idiot's body. I mean, just look, I, at, just look at your pick for Wonder Woman this year, you know? Uh, right. That kind of person can't do anything competently. I often look at recipes uh, that, that I'm trying to cook, and I don't know what to do. It's a, like a list of things to do, and it's – no. HelloFresh has step-by-step instructions. They tell you to do this while that is happening. It's so easy. It makes even an idiot like me look like a master chef. You can be an idiot like me. Don't you want to? Be an idiot like me. <laughs> Spend less, eat better, feel good, and – Get some skills. Be a cool person. Man, there's nothing I would have liked more than to have something like HelloFresh when I was dating because it's cool to impress my wife, but, man, it would have been even cooler to impress uh, – A a woman that's not your wife? Is that where you're going with this? That's where I'm going. (laughs) I'm idiot. I'm an idiot. You established it. You're going to be spending less than 10 bucks a meal – it's awesome. So, do we have a deal? Do we have a deal for our it, listeners, Jeff? Wait, yeah, thirty dollars deal. I, I just want to say one thing. <laughs> the, the great thing about a service like this is when you have a recipe and you go to the supermarket and you got to, you know, you need some parsley, but you just need a little, and you got to buy this big stock of parsley. You got to, you need two eggs, and you got to buy like a big thing of egg. This just comes with everything that you just you need, and you, you don't yeah. have all this waste. You don't spend the extra money. You're not drowning in parsley stocks like <laughs> yeah. Peter Soretta is constantly doing. <laughs> That's a you huge problem that. that Peter has. I know, yeah. And if you want to press the chicks like Jeff, this sounds <laughs> yeah. like a good thing to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm married and I got a kid. My <laughs> impressing days are over, but still. <laughs> is, is your 30, wife listening to this? Is she laughing? I, dear God, I hope not. $30 off we're going to give you. $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. That's great. It Basically, it, this is a, meal, a, a deal for meals that you can't pass up. Go to HelloFresh.com. Enter the promo code filmcast 30 for $30 off your first week, HelloFresh, H-E-L-L-O-F-R-E-S-H.com. Filmcast30 is the promo code. Thanks to HelloFresh for sponsoring us. Let's move on to the next entry in the Summer Movie Wager. Number five, Dunkirk. This is the choice that would be my undoing. Uh, this, <laughs> is, this is the movie that fucked my whole list. And uh, I like you were trapped on an island. It, I'm so I'm so upset because this this movie is what made me lose the summer movie wager this year, and I'm I'm really I, bummed about you it. Blame it. I think you can probably blame it on IMAX, right? Because it came down to about nine hundred thousand dollars. So I'm going to say IMAX. Dunkirk. Well, to, to be fair, it for us. If, if I'm going to be that, defeated that, by a movie, Jermaine, I'm glad it was a movie that had an incredible IMAX experience. I mean, it was, it was an absolutely incredibly amazing. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I should say one thing. Dennis, who runs the website, has the single biggest mistake by any each of us. And David, this is not your single biggest mistake. 
your single biggest mistake was putting the mummy at number 10 instead of the girl's trip. Mm, well, fair, fair enough. But I, I, I will say I was winning the summer movie wager until Dunkirk overtook Pirates of the Caribbean 5 this week. Uh, and so I was like, I was rooting for Dunkirk to fail. And it didn't. Devendra dead hits Dunkirk at number five with 10 points. Everyone else gets three points for Dunkirk. Boom. Um, I mean... I didn't. I didn't. Uh, you, you know, I, I predicted that Dunkirk would make probably around the same as Interstellar, maybe slightly less than Interstellar, which made only a hundred and eighty-eight million dollars domestically. What I couldn't have predicted is how everything shifted lower this year because the box office was so bad. Well, you could have predicted it um, if you were wiser. I mean, you're right, Jeff. Form. If I was smarter, if I was a better man, you're right. You're right. That's all yeah, true. Yeah. That's all true. Uh, but great movie and still shows that Christopher Nolan has a lot of staying power, uh, even with a really, let's just be honest, downer war film uh, that came out in, in the middle of summer. So, I mean, so- someone did predict it, and that person is Devendra. That's correct. Devendra, how do you feel about this? I feel pretty good. <laughs> I especially love how much Dave is just trying to, like, he, he's there trying, like, trying to do the math in the air. I was like, what? What? Where did I go wrong? I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's right. This is this is Dunkirk is where it all went wrong for me, Devendra. Uh, yeah. Number six. I, I also oh. love, by the way, how very how just slightly, slightly more than oh, number. Yeah. It, like literally, it's like <laughs> it's like a uh, like a three million dollar difference yeah. would mean it is that a I, weekend a, a weekend's worth of Dunkirk means I win the summer movie wager. Yeah. Um. So uh, that that's upsetting. But, yeah, but let's Pirates came out in May, so like you had way more time with Pirates. Dunkirk had a month and a half less time. Yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, Pirates of Caribbean five. David Nolan enough, Dave. That's uh, that's, that's correct. That, I will yeah. never doubt Nolan again, or at least I will never doubt Nolan's power against the rest of the field. Relatively, um, Pirates of Caribbean five, one hundred seventy-two million dollars or so. Who uh, saw this movie? How? I did. Man. We all did. All of other, us. Did. Other than reviewers, like I, I just can't fathom. Like I don't hear. Yeah, we don't see people really. Talk well, this is this is what I was this is what I was getting at yeah. earlier. Is that there's I think the next th- four movies on the list are movies that I think we probably all consider failures, but all made over 130 million dollars. Like you said, no one's talking about Pirates Five or the next couple of movies that I'll keep mysterious, even though anybody can look at the website. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right, and like, I think it's just because they're all the. They're sequels. These are the big sequels, um, though I guess Guardians and Spider Man as well. Um, it's just the same old crap, you know. Wonder, but Wonder Woman was not, and Girls Trip was not, and Baby Driver was not, and that's why those are considered hits. Well, these might have made more money, but they're not. Great point, Jermaine. Um, also, Nathan Stark in the chat room is quoting exact dialogue from part one of the Summer Movie Wager, uh, oh. where I said, David, uh, I said, Devinder Hardware, you're number five. Uh, and Devinder says, This is again where my list starts to fall apart, Dunkirk. <laughs> and yeah. then, David, I say, mm, I think that's a little too high. Words that would come back to haunt me at this precise moment wow, just now. A little too high. By the way, I love <laughs> that our listeners are going out there and writing down these quotes. <laughs> well, it could be he's like listening to the other one, no. you know, parallel to this one. But no, I love the fact that that David is such a villain that people come <laughs> armed with ammo to use against him in the chat room. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I, I embrace <laughs> I embrace my villainy. Um, Hero becomes a villain like any Nolan story. Yeah. That's, that's right. right. So I think like my my biggest mistake uh, or w- one of my, you know, I've already said my biggest mistake, but of many mistakes I made, one of them was thinking pirates wouldn't do very well 
and yeah. uh, and Transformers would do well. I think that's what <laughs> I like. Like, uh, well, I'll get to Transformers later, but Pirates, I think, outperformed many of our expectations. Uh, just it, it, relative to the field at number six, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I you know uh, I had it at number nine. Uh, Jeff had it at number seven. Um, uh, Jermaine had it at number four. Uh, and uh, Peter had a number eight, so we all had That's it. That's where my list went wrong. Except for Jermaine, we all had it ranked lower than it actually was. Um, but yeah, one seventy-two, not bad for Pirates. It's not a hit. Uh, I think it actually did way lower than On Stranger Tides, right? I mean, it, it, it like you said, Jermaine, you you made a great point. It's like it's still kind of considered a failure. Uh, On Stranger Tide made two hundred forty million dollars, right? So. That's like o- almost $70 million more than Pirates 6. And that's, a, uh, and that's, did. that's in, um, in my mind, a much worse movie. But it was the fourth one, and it was closer to the other ones. You know, this was six years removed, uh, where that was four years removed. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a half-life, and or a reverse half-life. I'm not going to talk science stuff. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just too far. No one cares anymore. Hundred seventy million dollars. I think, uh, yeah. When when one hundred seventy million dollars is a failure, you know that's a big franchise. And also, you know, it does seem to indicate the the end of the pirates movies. I think they were talking about this being the beginning of sixteen more of them, and all of that talk has rescinded. And I feel you know, it's like, funny. no, Jeff, yeah. you're, you're you're kind of. I think they sort of thought that, like when they first made it, when it first, they first started marketing it. Because they have, you know, like uh, Brandon, they had the new young couple, and then the movie brings back some people. And then, but then once the movie was out, I think opening weekend, the commercials were like, come see the final chapter. Right. And the pirates, I think they pivoted to like, let's pretend like that is just, this is the end. Right. Um, Which is not to say that in, so four, six, in, you know, eight to 10 more years, they're not like, get Johnny back, you know, who knows? But, uh, because I'm it, sure overall it did it did eight hundred million dollars worldwide almost. So like again, it's the foreign box office. It did it did like three times three and a half times better uh, internationally. So people are going to turn out to see this movie. They're going they'll probably make another one with eight hundred million dollars. Yeah, they, the international audiences love Johnny Depp, and it should be noted that like this movie, like from a studio perspective, seems like a no brainer. Like the the previous films were made for like three hundred million dollars, and this movie was made, I think, for like eighty million or seventy million dollars no, less. It cost it cost a oh yeah yeah it cost two hundred thirty million dollars according to Box Office Mojo. Yeah, it's expensive. Um, I think there will probably be more pirates, but I wish there weren't. Uh, so anyway, let's move on. Number seven, Cars Three. Who's here has seen Cars Three? Jermaine, did you see Cars Three? Of course, I saw Cars Three. I have. Yeah, what did you guys think of it? You, I heard it was actually pretty pretty solid. I actually uh, think it might be one of. The, I think it might be the best Cars movie, in my mm, opinion. No, yeah, no, I mean, that's not I, that's not saying much, but right. <laughs> I, well, I thought I I kind of find it I found it you know uh, enjoyable. I think the thing the problem with it uh, reason it only did this hundred fifty million dollars is it was really more a movie for people who saw the first one when it came out. So for an older audience, slightly, you know, it's more about like growing up and about like parenthood and and mentor mentee. It, it, there's not, like not four, growing up. It's a movie about retiring. Yeah, yeah that's, like, you're, you're, right, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. That. yeah, there's there's 45 minutes in the middle of the movie where like it's just it, it's just about that. And and I think it was kind of interesting and ballsy for Pixar, but it was it, did, it never had that juice of, you know, a classic Pixar movie or even a 
like for me, I thought Cars 2, everybody universally thinks is the worst Cars movie, but I at least think that has some fun moments in it. And and this has one or two, but it's really kind of a, uh, I don't know, very, very kind of, you know, flat line of a movie, but not in like a dead way. I'm <laughs> trying to come up with the real phrase. It's just, it's just sort of vanilla the whole time where you really hoped for some more. Yeah, we, mm. we should say, unlike Pirates and unlike Transformers, this film was fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and didn't do as well. So, yeah. Uh, so it made $150 million. Cars 2 did 190 did slightly worse. Uh, Peter and I dead hit this one at number seven. Um, Jeff got five points from it. Jermaine got seven points off it. Devendra did not put Cars 3 on the top 10 at all, right, Devendra? So, yeah. Uh, uh, that gave him zero points. Not that it would it's end up mattering. Um, incredible. Like, none of us got Girls Trip, but only one person missed two movies on the entire list, and that person won because he de- <laughs> dead three on three. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I, I love I love the contempt in Dave's voice. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah it's, I'm right. overflowing. I'm overflowing. Yeah. Um, number eight, War for the Planet of the Apes, around 142 million dollars. Uh, this movie was really well reviewed, but uh, didn't end up doing super well. Uh, it didn't perform nearly as well as the last Planet of the Apes movie, which made uh, $208 million. Um, so it's down like $60 million from uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, and it's a movie that we all, I think, really loved. But uh, it, just... it, it is it is my favorite movie of the year. Mm. Mm. I, really? I think, favorite movie I think, of the year? Yeah. Not just the summer. Of the Yeah, of the year so far. Um, wow. And uh, I think it was just, it shouldn't have been a summer movie. It wasn't the epic battle that the yeah. trailers and the posters marketed it as it, it should have been like a november movie i think it was as well, uh, I think- as i put it on the podcast review skirmish of the planet of the apes would be a better uh description <laughs> for it jermaine what were you yeah. gonna say no it's an awards movie and a blockbuster clothes blockbuster clothing right so you have all these special effects and you know war apes but it really it's a it's a yeah it's a movie about being imprisoned and all these like dark deep themes that i don't think audiences particularly in 2017 wanted to like pay $15 to go see, you know, a bunch of people, you know, uh, in cages and things of this nature. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, yeah, it felt more like an awards movie, even though obviously it wasn't going for that. Uh, again, and I agree with Peter. It's one of the better movies of the year. Uh, certainly one of the best movies of the summer. And again, I think it's a movie that we'll look back on in a couple of years and be like, I'm not surprised it didn't do that well, but we're still talking about it. Hmm. Uh, well, that's War of the Planet of the Apes at number eight with around $142 million. Guys, do you guys know what learned helplessness is? Are you familiar with this concept? Yes. This idea, this idea that uh, basically over time, if you keep doing something to try to get out of a situation that's bad, uh, but you fail, you end up stop trying. You stop trying, right? You stop trying to get out of the bad situation. Learned helplessness. I'm being very crude in my description of it. But I've experienced learned helplessness through the Transformers films. <laughs> because these are movies that have always been terrible. Well, the, the exception of number one have always been terrible. And uh, number one, was we, terrible. we we tried to warn people. Yeah. We tried to warn people. We tried to say, "Don't watch this movie." Uh, we we kept saying, "This is awful. Like, like it has almost no redeeming qualities. Please stop going to the theater." And these movies kept making bank. It's one of Paramount's only franchises that they have. And uh, they kept they kept doing well over time. And Transformers: Age of Extinction, um, still solid movie, uh, made two hundred forty five domestic, eight hundred fifty eight foreign for one point one billion worldwide. So that that was an awful film, awful film. We actually released the review of it that we did uh, uh, last week 
as a bonus episode. And that and, review begins with you lamenting, never again. Yeah, like, I, I said never I again. Watch another one of these. Uh, now, fortunately, we were able to raise almost nine thousand dollars for LA Children's Hospital this we year. We did some good stuff for some kids. Yeah. That yeah. was worth it. That was worth watching the movie again. But uh, the movie was still terrible, and I thought, hey, uh, despite the movie being terrible, it's still going to do well. Well, guess what? The American uh, the, people. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to say, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I've said this on the podcast, but. I was in the theater with Jeff when he saw this, and after it was over, and even though you guys raised $9,000 for charity, I looked over at Jeff as the credits rolled and said, Jeff, was it really worth it? <laughs> I said, I said, I love helping kids, but dear God. <laughs> we all went, no, that's not, that's not an exaggeration. So Peter and Jermaine and I were all there in the same theater, and we all walked out, and we must have stood in the, the parking lot, basically, just flabbergasted of what we saw just, just ta- hammering just, it just hammering the the total incompetence of everything except the visuals like just just a god awful movie that it's almost like you you mentioned that the last made one made 1.2 billion this made 600 worldwide which sounds great but for transformers is not great when you make less than half and you know what good Good. Uh, n- not quite less but, than half, but like five hundred million dollars less yeah, than the last yeah. one. I mean, that it, guys, that is incredibly satisfying that it, this movie <laughs> did so badly. It's so satisfying. We're getting Bumblebee, and we're getting Transformers Six potentially, or at least getting Bumblebee. I think the huge bummer is if Michael Bay had turned over the reins to another director like four movies ago, uh, we might actually be excited about Bumblebee. You know, like the the it might be a whole different world right now. But I think he really ran this franchise into the ground uh, with Transformers last night. It's a terrible movie. You should go listen to our review of it with Paul Shear. Um, but none of us got this uh, correct. We all thought it would do better. We all thought uh, that people would still fall for it again. But the American people decided this year, uh, this is their line in the sand. No more. <laughs> uh, this movie made $130 million. That's very bad. The last movie, like I said made uh, 245 so it's like $100 million less than the last movie. That's an insane dr- insane drop-off. Drop so. Uh, so that's number nine at $130 million. And finally... It, it, uh, and we, we all thought it was going to get higher. I think all of us just got points for it being on the list and not... I yeah. put it at number plus. two. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah, Jeff, that's well Jeff really giving himself well a running as trying Five. to get the worst list of the year. Uh, or, oh, of all time, dumb. I should say. Yeah. Um, number 10. Girls Trip. Now, Jermaine, you said you're the only one I think who's seen it, so you said it's amazing. What did you love about this movie? Well, I mean, uh, it is just it's just hilarious. It's very, very dirty. Like, it is a hard R with language and sex and gross, like, nudity, like, everything you can imagine. But it's got heart. It's got, like, you know, it's kind of paint-by-the-numbers uh, uh, romantic comedy type. But, again, it's, it's, it's all about these girls uh, who go to... Essence Fest in uh, in New Orleans, and they're sort of there during Mardi Gras. And it's a big party, and it's just really, really funny. I mean, honestly, I, I wanted to see it. I think second weekend, and I decided, oh, let's go see that tonight. And the showing I wanted to see, we could only sit in the front row because it was all sold out. So we sat in the front row, and it didn't matter from the first scene to the last scene. We were just dying laughing. My wife and I have been quoting it since a couple of the scenes. We saw it like three, two months ago. Um, yeah, it's just a real crowd pleaser. And, and don't watch it like on a plane, I would say, because uh, that's the next place you'll be able to see it. Uh, watch it you know, in the privacy of your own home uh, because you'll be very <laughs> embarrassed at a lot of things that happen. 
but you'll be <laughs> laughing hysterically. And uh, and I hope they bring the, the cast back together. Uh, it is they have great chemistry, and there's some really fun characters there. And uh, yeah, I, I I mean I'm after you see the movie, there's no surprise that it made so much money. Like it is just it just kills an audience in the best possible way. As of this recording, it's 108 million dollars uh, at number ten, one of the biggest hits of the summer because it had a, a very low budget. Uh, and so, yeah, all, all the power to it. It's uh, I've heard it's great. I can't wait to check it out myself. That's Girls Trip. It's number ten. Okay, before all of we... us whiffed on it, and 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 uh, you know, thirteen points is the highest you can get if you nail number one or number ten. This year, nobody nailed either of those spots. Yep. We also whiffed on the number eleven, by the way, right? Nobody had Baby Driver anywhere either. I don't think so. Yeah. We were just uh, though. Jeff Kanata did have rough night. The white version of Girls Trip. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> real doofus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so before we get to final score tallies, let's just talk about the movies that we were on our list that didn't make it into the top ten. Um, specific, let's talk about some of the embarrassing choices we made, guys. Uh, <laughs> so I would say chief among them. Uh, I'll start. I'll start. Let's see. What did I? Uh, what did I put in my? In, yeah. So the Mummy. That was a catastrophic decision to put the Mummy at number ten. Um, did not <laughs> well, know just having having the mummy on any of our lists. The mummy and Alien Covenant. Yeah, that's that's for everybody. Those are the two big ones that somebody like it looks like mummy, mummy, covenant. Yeah, those are the two that really kind of threw everyone for a loop. Uh, I thought so. Yeah, I mean, mummy was a terrible film, um, but I thought that Tom Cruise would propel it to at least a hundred million dollars domestic. It didn't come even close to that. Uh, well, it, it did like eighty. It did 80, which I guess is not technically close. And I think if the movie was, like, 5% better, and I don't even mean, mean like, in Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, like, just in general, people would have, like, forgiven it. But it's just – it's so bad that, like, there's no, – almost, it's almost unforgivable uh, at how uh, just annoyingly bad it is. But if it was just dumb bad, people would have been like, oh, did you see that movie? That was cool. But it wasn't that at all. I uh, put Baywatch on my uh, Dark Horse, which not only was a bad movie, but – barely cracked uh like did not crack 60 million dollars domestic that's thought, pretty surprising too given yeah that it's a rock movie. it's the rock and zach efron and uh paramount it's like one of the movies that they were hoping would be a big hit like they, they they're not cranking out that many movies these days and so baywatch was one of the ones they're counting on it performed terribly um so that was bad and i also uh thought captain underpants might do well uh and that movie uh i i put that on my dark horses that movie only made 73 million dollars domestic so it's not bad but it wasn't like a massive success so uh those are my terrible choices go ahead peter it it should be mentioned that dark horses as a whole only one of us got one uh, one dark horse on the list so all of and and that one was basically a freak accident (laughs) (laughs) with jeff canada putting wonder woman on his dark horse list none of our other like none of our dark horses got on the top 10 um, well, you know, but but looking at the dark horses, which is generally where we all miss, like we just said, they were all not bad choices. They're all sort of in like the fifteen to twenty range, you know. Which obviously that that doesn't mean they were in the uh, ten to fifteen, which would have been more dark horses. Um, but it, it, with the exception of Rough Night for Jeff, which came in thirtieth for the summer, uh, and Valerian, which came in twenty fourth. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess and then list. yeah, and then Devinder, who has Hitman's Bodyguard, Dark Tower on his yep. list, and yep. King Arthur. The winner has the most 
embarrassing list I've ever seen. And he won. It's crazy. I'm sorry, Dominion. Uh, well, uh, you know, you know, one thing that makes me sad looking over this list is uh, Devendra put Atomic Blonde as uh, as a dark horse. Uh, Atomic Blonde didn't do that well at the box office. And that's a shame. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Atomic Blonde made uh, around forty nine million dollars. So. It's not not a catastrophe, but it just uh, I wish it had done better because I want to see like an Atomic Blonde two with Charlize Theron, you know, uh, and yeah. that it didn't do very well. So that's a bummer. Uh, Devendra, you also put King Arthur. That was a bold choice for Dark, Dark Horse. I didn't hate. I'm the one person that didn't hate that movie. I kind of enjoyed it, and it'll we'll never see any more of that universe. But I thought Guy Ritchie uh, made something fun, especially. Uh, what we th- what we thought it could be, and what most people thought it was. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, let's play a guessing game, Jermaine. Okay, uh, King Arthur. Uh, how much money do you think it made domestically? Uh, oh, I'm not looking. Uh, Forty five. Pretty close. Thirty nine million dollars. What uh, do you 39. think the production budget was? Uh, I'm gonna go with about 125. 175 million. 175 million. I think okay, because so that, that's a loss. Yeah, then. That's uh, a loss. A lot of uh, re- reshoots, I think, is what uh, like yeah. I, you guys might remember. Like Guinevere, one of the characters was actually going to be the love interest, and they changed the character completely. They had to do a lot of reshoots; it cost a lot of money, uh, and it ended up not being worth it. Uh, so, anything else we want to mention here, um, I, I, Peter? You I put the emoji movie on. Yeah, on your I was going to say the, that's probably one of the cynical choices of mine on the Dark Horse is the emoji movie, and I was hoping it wasn't going to do well, but. Who knows? I mean, America. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and thankfully, it didn't make the list. So yeah, it did okay. I think it did okay. I don't think it was that expensive. Seventy-six million dollars. Yeah, it did okay. It's not not a disaster. Yeah, I, think, I think they're fine with it once it hits like you know on demand and stuff. I almost said v, uh, you know DVD because I'm old. Um, it should have done it, worse. It should have done worse. I think. Yes, we all agree. Yes, yes. Yeah. With like and a one percent on Rotten Tomatoes, I think, or something like that. And then the other, the only other story I think is worth mentioning. You guys have talked about it already. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I, you know, this is one of the good calls I made. I predicted this would be a box office catastrophe. It was thirty nine million dollars domestic, one seventy seven production budget. Uh, but he supposedly paid for that all before. I mean, it, it was all gravy at that point, right? N- yeah, no, that's not paid. quite true. I mean, he like I think Europa, uh, the uh, Europa Films, the one of the production companies. They said they've only exposed themselves to like uh, a few million dollars. A Europa, Europa Corp. They, they exposed themselves to a few million dollars of of, uh, of liability if they if the movie doesn't do well. That's still millions of dollars that that company's losing. And I would say of all the uh, above hundred million dollar budget movies, at least that movie's budget is on the screen. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, it does look really spectacular and is a visu- more visually enjoyable than King Arthur, I would argue. W- w- so. What is that movie making internationally? It's, it's, it's right at now. 172 it's total U.S. Nice. and internationally. So it's it, 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 production China. budget. Yeah, it I didn't do well. in China. Like, and I, I saw Lupus on tweeting like uh, Tuesday, the day that we're recording, um, that it, it was the number one movie in China this past weekend. So I don't know if those numbers include that it probably does but um it, it's not yeah. it's not doing well internationally either that's the problem like if it was a huge oh, international hit like it could be okay but it's yeah it's it, really it, not it opened well. in china two days ago and has made 28.9 yeah. million dollars so, yeah, far. so it, it does include the china that number of 170 uh international yeah so huge bummer 
Um, but any anything else you guys want to mention that uh, about this summer? Uh, we we actually kind of like got a lot of enjoyment out of Valerian, but it's definitely yeah. like the the <laughs> wrong time for that movie, unfortunately. Um, anything else you want to mention before we do the final tallies, gentlemen? Is that it? Good. All right, let's wrap it yeah. up, guys. So uh, I'm going to ask for each person to give their final score. Let's start with Jermaine Lucier. What was your final score? Whopping 43 points. Talk about an embarrassing list, Jermaine. I was so consistent, though. That is all. I got points <laughs> everywhere. Down the board. It's been dead hit. Mm. If I would have hit dead hit one, I would have been there. Mm. How about you, Jeff Kanata? Uh, 46. Not the bottom of the barrel, baby. Woo-hoo! Nice. <laughs> not less. Not less. Okay. Peter <laughs> Peter Serretta, how about you? I'm in the middle, guys. At 49. If I had hit Wonder Woman, I would have been number one. But that's the story. Uh, so. so basically, at least, if, at least Dave if you had made dramatically different choices, you would have been number one. Yes, I agree. I, <laughs> I agree would like completely. to point out that if any of us had hit number one, we all anyone of us would have won. Yeah, so. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, very useful uh, counterfactual there, Peter. Um, <laughs> I David Chen, fifty points, and Devinder Hardwar, how many points? Fifty-five points. Fifty-five points. We're not a hellfire, not and nothing Chen. makes sense. Not <laughs> Chen. Not Chen. <laughs> It's yeah, a victory. It's a victory, not just for you, Devendra, but for all freedom-loving, happy people in the universe. Yes, I really is... just wanted to destroy Dave. That's that was really my ultimate champ goal. Champ has been dethroned. He broke up the three-peat. He he <laughs> he saved all of us from having to endure Dave's gloating for another calendar year. He put the Dark Tower on his it... list. <laughs> but he was a Dark Tower himself. And I have faith in Devendra to pick some kind of piece of content, movies oh, yeah. or television, that is actually good. Dave <laughs> used his power for evil. <laughs> evil! I, 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 I have faith that Devendra is not going to do that. Well, you, you know, guys, let me that. just say, Devendra, uh, I, I doff my cap to you, okay? You you are, you are have now uh, ascended to the throne, and sheer, this is sheer accident. This is just Basically. going to make my comeback next year all the more satisfying. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. it's ABC, not. I mean, it's not. It's not fun chance. to take away candy from a baby <laughs> if the baby doesn't already have the candy in the first place. You know. So what? What, what does that mean? Anyway, point being, <laughs> I would like. To, I would like to like to. We gotta give. We gotta give Devinder mad props because he beat us all using fewer films than any of us. Dead uh, hit three of them. That's, that's impressive. He Absolutely. dead hit three. He, he, he handicapped himself an entire two picks, <laughs> not even yeah. putting them on his list anywhere, and he still wiped the floor with all of us. So Indeed. kudos Indeed. to Vindra. So kudos. clearly nothing in Hollywood makes sense. That's the real takeaway here. Yeah. And honestly, if you had asked me, and I think we maybe even said this at the end of the episode at the beginning of the summer, uh, I would have picked Vindra to come in last based on based on his list, and he proved us all wrong. And uh, you know, and, you know who I would have picked to come in last, Jeff. You and you almost proved me right. Yeah, um, almost isn't almost horseshoes and hand grenades, David. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Uh, so, Vindra. By the way, special thanks to Jermaine this year for not letting me come in last. <laughs> got it. Got it. The, the champ the entire way. If you look at the graph on there. And yeah, the graph knew. is kind of amazing because Jermaine was leading up until mid-July. Yeah, but I and knew, then like, things took a dramatic because, turn. Yeah, I just knew. Like you just because if you're up that high so early, yeah. everything behind you is gonna make money. So they kept tweeting out, Jermaine's in the lead. And I'm like, why do you keep giving me these props? I'm dead in the water. Yes. And yes. then it happened once those movies in, Ju- in late July and August came out. <laughs> it was over. 
I also love uh, looking at the graph at uh, the summer moviewager.com. The month of August is pretty much Dave, Dave, Dave winning it. And then, then that final, that final weekend at the buzzer for three. It's yeah. good. The Avenger wins. Yeah. I, I mean, you guys are killing me slowly and that's fine. I'm okay with yeah. it. I've yeah, made just, peace. Kind of. You uh, definitely hear it in Dave's voice. Like we can, we can feel the moment when his heart broke. That's right. You know? That's right. I see like, it on the graph right there. It's right about three days ago. Yeah. 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 That's true. It's true. Uh, also, so it's interesting that the delta between all of our scores, even from winter down to Jermaine, uh, is uh, is not as large as last year, and it's not mm-hmm. as it's it's actually not very large at all. It's a it really was anybody's game for a long time. Yeah. You know? What is the maximum except, except score for yours, Jeff? Is but it, yes, is the one hundred <laughs> the maximum score? Um, I don't think so. No, no. we could. Uh, Right I here, will the, say, the highest person is someone named Matthew sixty four, and he got uh-huh. seventy eight. I think one hundred six. I think one hundred six. <laughs> the quick math. I think one hundred six is the yeah, max. Yeah, yeah. Seventy eight points. Devendra won with fifty five, and Matthew sixty four got seventy eight points. That's awesome, dude. Our our listeners are way smarter than we are. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Devendra, I think you said you don't want to pick the the thing we're supposed to watch right now. We'll do that. I have some ideas. This is a, a huge responsibility. Yep. I really, I really just want to choose wisely. Um, and one thing I will say though, uh, <laughs> as the winner this year, we will do an episode where everybody watches the thing I pick. Yeah. And we'll talk about it. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Looking forward to it. Feel free to tweet at Devendra your suggestions. Uh, in the meantime, guys, it's been another fun year. I, I really am so psyched for my comeback next year. It's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> but uh, again, thanks to Dennis at thesummermoviewager.com. Thanks to everyone for playing. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to our sponsors for this episode. Uh, They're so awesome. Uh, and let's wrap it up. Uh, stay tuned to hear what we'll be reviewing next week. In the meantime, Devendra Hardor, where can I find more of your work on the internet this week? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Devendra, and I write about tech at uh, Engadget.com. How about you, Jeff Kanata? Uh, I have several other shows, including two video game shows, one called Newest, Latest, Best that you can find on iTunes and Google Play or at anchor.fm slash NLB. I also have a video game show called DLC that you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC and a comedy science show called We Have Concerns that you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. How about you, Peter Serretta? You can find me at slashfilm.com. This past month, we launched a daily podcast called Slash Film Daily. Uh, you can get the latest news from SlashFilm.com in bite-sized chunks uh, every weekday. Uh, you can find that on iTunes. Just search Slash Film Daily, or you can go to daily.slashfilm.com and find it there. Jermaine Lucier. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Jermaine Lucier, one word, and I am writing about movies every single day on uh, io9.com and gizmodo.com. I'm on Twitter, at Dave Chensky. Find my other stuff at DaveChen.net. Next week, we're going to be reviewing the new Reese Witherspoon romantic comedy, Home Again. No, I'm just joking, guys. We're going to be doing it, the reboot or remake of the Stephen King horror film directed by Andres Muschietti. Really looking forward to this one. It's going to do really well at the box office, I think. And uh, I think people will be talking about it for a long time. What do you know? What do you know about how stuff does at the box office? (laughs) I hate you. Someone really needs to print the ABC (laughs) t-shirt, the anybody but Chen. Anybody but Chen. Indeed. I've been hearing that my whole life on on dates. Um, Okay, guys. 
<laughs> Thanks for listening to the uh, official podcast of SlashFilm.com. This has been a lot of fun, guys. And we'll yeah. see you with more Summer Movie Wager next year. We'll see you with a new episode of the SlashFilmCast next week. He watched the-